Welcome in, friends, to Betting Pros College Football. Look ahead for week 13. I am Chris Welsh. That is Thor Nystrom, and we are here to get you set for week 13. But Thor, before we even look at it, I have just got to get your take on what the hell happened with Tennessee. I need the Thor reaction <laughs> as Tennessee lost to South Carolina 63 to 38. It's going to make a pretty significant move down, at least as far as AP polls were out on Sunday. Might even move outside of the top 10. I think it's looking like nine right now. But I just want to get your quick reaction on what the hell happened. Yeah, sometimes when you wave goodbye to teams in the playoff picture, it's like a, a bittersweet, you know, goodbye. That one, it's 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 like good riddance. Uh, if if you give up 63 points to a team that literally had zero running backs left on their roster, South Carolina was playing a tight end as their lead back, and they were using two wide receivers as the two backups running backs off the bench for the tight end. And then zombie Spencer Rattler, you don't deserve to be within a hundred mile radius or a thousand mile radius of the college football playoff. So, I mean, in, in terms of that, I'm happy the result that happened and that Tennessee can go back to pull. What was the Steve Spurrier joke? You can't spell the Outback bowl without UT. Um, <laughs> they're going to be going to the ball that they deserve after that performance. Uh, unreal, unreal, and it obviously uh, big implications on it. But we are going to be taking a look at all the Week 13 stuff. You guys are obviously going to be able to get all your fix during the week, but this is your early look to see if maybe you want to take advantage of a few things, and that has helped out as we have gone. But let's take a look at some action. We've got some action action going on on Tuesday, Thor. Ball State at Miami of Ohio. Looks like the early line is set around three, and we've got Bowling Green at Ohio. So what I'm curious about here is what game are you wanting to get in on the action for the action? Well, all these different games, they all, it seems like every game now, like this time of year, we have injury concerns on both sides that are key for the handicap in this one, the enormous one, it's Curtis Rourke. Curtis Rourke gets hurt in Ohio's last game. Curtis Rourke is single-handedly this season has led the Renaissance of Ohio football you know, they, like after Frank Solich had surprisingly retired, Ohio had immediately gone into the tank after they had been relevant for however many years before that. And then now all of a sudden this year, they're really good again. I, I think they Ohio has eight wins and, you know, it looked like they had a really good shot to win the Mac. But now all of a sudden, Curtis Rourke gets hurt in their last game. We don't know what his status is. And now they got to turn around and play on Tuesday. From what I was reading during the week, it didn't look great. Um, but he was able later in the week to ditch the cast he was he was on, and they said he could at least put weight on it without support. But I mean, that's I mean, it's like you know, damning with faint praise when you're talking about the idea of them him having to turn around on Tuesday and play in a game. You're gonna have to know Curtis Rourke's status. You know, I mean, if you want to bet this game on either side, the, the kid that they had put in for him, um, CJ Harris, he actually played okay at the end of Ohio's last game. But, I mean, when you're talking over the course of an entire game, it's an enormous downgrade that you would have to bake in for Ohio in this game. So I'm th that one is a wait and see for me on the status of Curtis Rourke. And one thing I want to point out, the Circa line that dropped was five. and it It's all based like, on Rourke. Yeah, well, and what's interestingly enough is uh, your adjusted line looks like you've got around 12 yep. on it. But the line, even after Circa released at five, I'm already seeing it at seven and a half. So it's boosted up two and a half points. So uh, that one, you know, if, I mean, that one, as you're listening, you're probably going to even see a different uh, adjusted line here. But that gives you a little bit of uh, action on that Ohio one if you're going to jump in there. We've also got a game on Thursday. 
Ole Miss is going to be hosting Mississippi State. Ole Miss is coming off a loss, going to move down in the ranks, going to probably uh, stay inside the top 20, it looks like, but that loss is going to hurt them. What do we got on Mississippi State and Ole Miss coming up for this weekend? I got the old egg ball. The old egg ball on Thanksgiving, a tradition unlike any other. This is a game in, what, uh, September and early October where we thought this egg ball was going to be something. Right. Like at that time, I was like, oh, my gosh, this year's egg ball is going to be awesome. Um, the, the bloom has come off the rose a bit here at the, over the last month. And, you know, last, you know, yes, well, yesterday as we're recording, but on Saturday, Ole Miss just absolutely got trucked by by Arkansas, an Arkansas team that we had just saw lose to Liberty's third string quarterback. And now Liberty's losing to everyone, even the dregs of the FBS. So it's like, oh, you know, like, and you know, and, and Ole Miss, of course, was coming off of giving Alabama everything they could handle, but sort of running out of steam at, at the finish line of that one. It's an interesting style of contrast there, right? Because Mississippi State throws about as much as any team in the nation. And at this point, uh, Ole Miss is running about as much as any team in the nation that does not uh, run a triple option offense. Um, and, and Ole Miss is, I mean, <laughs> week by week is is skewing even more towards that, both because, you know, Judkins obviously is a stud and they got Evans too, but also to get away from putting, having Jackson Dart put the ball up for grabs because um, they're trusting Jackson Dart less and less as, as time goes on. Can Ole Miss get off the mat for that game or is Mississippi State in a, in a decent spot to ambush them, I, I think is what that one comes down to. Yeah, and Thor's adjusted line is the same as the circle line that dropped. Oh, the exact one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's one of those exact. By the way, like just with everything going on in my brain, like when I say Thursday, I didn't even register. Like it is Thanksgiving. Like Thanksgiving yeah. is this week. It feels like it has come up on us uh, quicker than ever before, but that is going to be Thanksgiving. Uh, that should be a very good game to check out. But there doesn't really look like there's any lean or advantage at this point. Is there one thing you're going to be looking for maybe? Are you going to be looking for it to move uh, in one direction, maybe into Ole Miss's favor? Well, yeah, right now, I, I wouldn't bet that one at all because there is no, yeah, the, right now, you're not going to find line value on either side, but I'm going to be monitoring the line movement for sure to see where the market takes that. And if there becomes value because of where the, the market has, has shoved the line. And then, of course, we're going to get into the handicap during the week because these, these are, fortunately, both these teams are, are they're straightforward handicaps in that they both skew heavily one way on offense and their defenses both have straightforward uh, delineated strengths and weaknesses. So we're, we're going to dig into it and, and we should find an angle if, if the market pushes it off where the, the line where we can find line value on it as well. If you are looking to track all of your wagers in one place, make sure that you check out Betting Pros Pick Tracker at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. It syncs up with your sports books to tally which picks are going to hit, which miss, and it gives you a live look at what the public is doing so you can use real-time tracking to determine which plays to make and which to fade. Get on the leaderboard and quickly become a sharp by using the free advice we have to offer at bettingpros.com slash pick dash tracking. We got some games on Friday. Black Friday is lots of college football. Coming into last week, uh, number one, tw tw uh, 21 Tulane versus number 25 Cincinnati. We'll see how that shakes out, obviously, when the new polls come out. But Tulane, Cincinnati, Thor, what do we got on this game? Uh, big game. Yeah. And, and Tulane, uh, so impressive. A, a team that I've, I've liked throughout this season and uh, an extremely impressive performance last time out. 
Um, one, one, you know, we're going to talk about injuries for a lot of these games where they're going to be status checks during the week. Big one in this one, Ben Bryant, the quarterback for Cincinnati, he got hurt in their win over the weekend against Temple. Um, looks like it was a foot injury that he suffered in the second quarter. The Cincinnati's backup, Evan Prater, came in and, and, and mopped that one up at the end. Uh, the offense sort of went into the tank when Prater took over. He is definitely a downgrade from Bryant. How serious is that injury? S against a team like Tulane, Cincinnati absolutely needs Ben Bryant. Um, they're they're going into a gunfight here, and they're bringing a knife in if, if Prater has to start. So we need to know about the status on Ben Bryant. If it, if it turns out that he is ruled out for this game, the market is going to have an extreme reaction to that. Uh, over in the Big 12, we got a really interesting matchup where coming into last week, this wouldn't have been a ranked game. The early AP poll looks like they're bringing Texas back inside the top 25, or at least that's where the poll setters are going. And Texas 7-4 and four is, is going to be hosting Baylor at 6-5. and five. You've got a line on this, an adjusted line at not, almost 10. It's a little over 9.5. The circle line opened up at 6. I'm already seeing the line move up to around 7. So what do you think about Texas and Baylor? Yeah, but with the line opening at six, I definitely would have bought a ticket on on Texas, and and beneath seven, I'm I'm buying a ticket on Texas as well. It'll be in, you know, I'm sure um, it's going to be at seven and a half by the time people hear this, you know, on on Monday morning or whatever. And that's you know during the week when we all get into our handicapping, that's the more interesting number and where probably it should have opened. I think that's what the sports books are are realizing now. Like you mentioned, my my number on that game is nine point seven. I, I think people are having we're having a harder time buying in on Texas because the market had bought in on Texas several times this year and then gotten burned and then they just watched Baylor take uh, TCU a team that had just beaten uh, Texas the week before that and completely erased the Texas offense they'd seen Baylor give TCU everything they could handle and maybe should have beaten uh, TCU ended up uh, losing by one point, but, but covered and, and was covering for most of that game. So I like, I, I think that's what explains that the little discrepancy in, in the price right there, but I expect the market to correct for that. And, and like I said, by Monday morning, I think that line is going to be Texas minus seven and a half or minus eight. And then it gets into that dead zone between seven and a half and 10. And that's where the, the handicap is going to get interesting. Uh, maybe there's going to be something here, especially where the line moves. An ACC matchup that last week had two top 25. I believe they're probably going to have two top 25 still in here. NC State, who was 24 coming into this past weekend, coming up against number 13, North Carolina. NC State, not great in the ACC. North Carolina, fantastic at 6-1. and one. Your early line, the adjusted line that you've got on this game, is 6.7. This is battling. I think the circle line opened up at 7. I've seen this adjust down to 6.5. Any lean on uh, this ACC matchup? Um, yeah, th this is the competition for which of these teams has the bigger fork sticking out of their back right now. Uh, <laughs> both of them just had abjectly embarrassing performances last time out, uh, particularly so on the North Carolina side. Was was like a, a team that is you know over and over again has sort of exceeded expectations this year and has overcome circumstances, and they had you know young players in very important spots. 
um, mainly so at, at quarterback, you know, primarily so with the, with the freshman quarterback, Drake May. And then they get uh, Georgia Tech at home. All they have to do is beat them. And then Drake May's, his dark horse Heisman candidacy continues and North Carolina's dim, but I mean, still legitimate college football playoff hopes are alive if, if things get wild. And they not only stub their toe, they completely fall on their face against Georgia Tech. And then North Carolina State just continues to absolutely stumble down the stretch. I think uh, North Carolina State has now lost three of five. And one of the one of the two wins they had was like by a point or two over Virginia Tech, like something like that. And um, it, like it, it is just not going well for North Carolina State not having Devin Leary. Um, I, I would lean North Carolina just sort of, uh, you know, not to use the same word, but leaning back on the body of work that we had prior to last week. Whereas with North Carolina State, it's been more than a month now that that team has been in the tank. But like you mentioned, the, my line on that game is North Carolina minus 6.7. It opens at minus 7. Now it's gone to minus 6.5. Like the market is just right around where my number is. So I'm not denoting any line value, but if, if I had to give a lean, it's, it, it would be on North Carolina right now. Uh, last week or this past weekend we just had you uh, UCLA lost to USC big matchup 48 45 which is going to push them a little bit early AP poll doesn't look like much of a loss but this week they're going up against Cal in a Pac-12 matchup and there seems to be some um, some advantage some early lean based on your adjusted line versus what came out on Circa Circa came out at 10 in favor of UCLA and you've got a 12 point 12.1 to be exact so do you like this lean for UCLA versus Cal this weekend yeah that line feels just a little bit short to me um maybe you could explain it by I, I maybe one of two things I mean number one it being sort of the deflate spot for UCLA because they we thought they were going to throw the the kitchen sink at USC it was one one reason why I was on UCLA at plus two and a half and why a whole bunch of other people out there in the market were on uh, UCLA and you know obviously UCLA came up just short they lost by three and in sort of heartbreaking fashion I mean they were driving to win the game and they got into midfield or a little bit over it whatever it was and then Dorian Thompson Robinson who had been you know sort of on his shield the entire game he go he goes down on the sword and throws a what was sort of a, a dumb pick um you know to seal the game for for USC but at that point he was exhausted so I, I you know I'm not sure what he was seeing but I'm sure that that played a part of it and after you lose that game I mean you could just see I mean, literally the deflation on the USC side. I mean, like, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, the UCLA side. Dorian Thompson Robinson was crying on the field. He was not the only UCLA player crying. The rest of the guys, they were all dejected. They, you know, it was all hang dog. Everyone was hanging their head, just, you know, like going off the field like that. UCLA is going to have to pick themselves up off the mat this week. If they can, and they, they come out next week and they give the effort, uh, they play like, you know, they did, you know, heck, if they play like they did last week, they're going to beat California by two touchdowns or more. But are you going to get the same effort that you've gotten previously, or are they going to play way down after that deflating loss? And then on the Cal side, I think you have to at least give them a, a just a little bit of extra credit because they fired their um, offensive coordinator and their offensive line coach last week and that had not been going well with the offense they were making a, a bunch of wonky decisions and it was this very straightforward vanilla attack that 
anyone in the stadium knew what the, the next play call was, was basically what it had turned into. And we had documented throughout the season that dead cap bounced with the head coaches were the week after and in the subsequent weeks after these programs had fired their head coaches, their against the spread record was awesome. You know, where, where beforehand it was awful. They, they had immediately turned it around at the window. And Cal, after they fired those two guys, they get the cover last week against Stanford. Actually, it was was one of the funner uh, bad beats last week. I, I wasn't on it, but there were some degenerates out there that were aware. The over-under of that game, um, it, 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 the, the folks who were on the under lost it by a half point because Cal was up by 10 with like three seconds left. And Stanford had the ball close to midfield. And Stanford decided to kick a 60, 60 I think. That kick. Yeah, the, the 63 yard field goal or whatever as time was expiring, which they, they didn't have to do, but they, they kick it and they made it to for the game to go over by half a point, which is just absolutely fabulous. But Cal covered that game anyway because it was like Cal minus four and a half or something like that. Cal played a little bit better on offense than they had in previous weeks, is the whole point. So you have to upgrade them just a little bit because of that. So maybe those two things explain it, but I'm not sure that I will be able to talk myself into Cal. But it's going to depend on what we see in the market this week um, and, and where we see this line go for sure during the week. Now, would one point of line advantage be enough for you to jump on this Oregon game? You've got Oregon, Oregon State, big matchup, two top 25 teams. Last week, Oregon was 12, 23 was Oregon State, both 9-2, uh, and 8-3. Great Pac-12 here. You've got an adjusted line of four and a half. It opened up at three. I see it around three and a half. Is a point advantage based on your early line in favor of Oregon something that you would jump on early? Um, no, not in this case, um, because you know the 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 lines or my lines are are set in in a vacuum where like I don't know the status of the guys seven days later right and so like i don't know what bo nix's body is feeling like right now last week it all the indications we were getting was that bo nix was going to miss the game in the middle of the week and then on saturday it turned out he he felt good enough in the pregame where they they gave him the go he was able to play you could definitely see that he was compromised bo nix like previously he would he was a big part of their rushing offense he did not want to leave the pocket. He didn't want to get hit as much on Saturday. And then there was a couple throws where you could clearly see um, he was not getting as much oomph into it. Um, one of them was the his Bonix's last interception, a ball that just sort of fluttered on him. And if he was fully healthy, it probably wouldn't have. How did the hits that he took against Utah, how did those affect his injury? If, if I mean, if Bonix is fully healthy, that's one thing. If he's where he was at last week, that's one thing. If he's worse, that's another thing. And Oregon State, it's not the greatest matchup for Oregon. The other thing is Corvallis is a tricky place to play in, and that that atmosphere is going to be juiced up on Saturday. Um, those fans inviting Oregon in, in, into their place now that Oregon is – there's been this resurgence of, of, of Oregon football and, by the way, a resurgence of Oregon State football. This is one of the better Oregon-Oregon State games that we have had in a very long time. So it's it, it's going to be juiced up. And the one thing that – well, Oregon State can bring two things into this that are going to give Oregon trouble. Number one, Oregon State plays really good defense. They, they have the good secondary, and they, they do the run fits, and they can tackle. So all that stuff, they can address the Oregon offense and make sure that the Oregon offense doesn't become just the runaway train where all, all of a sudden the yards and the points are piling up and you just can't uh, stop it. And then on the other side, Oregon can run the ball. So, so they can, and, and in that way, they can protect their defense. 
because they, they can control the clock and stuff like that and keep the Oregon offense off of the field. So it, it's it's one of those where I'm going to be getting into the handicap pretty deep this week and also checking in very closely with the quotes coming out of Eugene to see how Bonex is doing. One more Friday game, and it's going to have a Florida State, who looks like they're going to bump up a little bit in the uh, in the top 25, as far as at least as some of the poll stuff is going after beating Louisiana. Going up against Florida, it's a rivalry matchup. Florida, one of the more dynamic players in the uh, in college football, in the college football space, and Richardson. There's not much of an advantage as far as early line movement, but what are you looking at in this Florida matchup? Yeah, my, my adjusted line in that game is Florida State minus 9.8. I would definitely lean towards Florida State if that line is under 10. I don't like that Florida team. Um, I, I haven't liked them all year. I faded them against Vanderbilt, and that was about as sweat-free a cover as you get. Vanderbilt obviously won outright as a 14.5-point uh, underdog. It, Florida, I mean, they, they got a couple problems, but the biggest one all season has been they have an absolutely horrific run defense. Oh, boy, is that a problem facing this Florida State Seminole team. Their rush, Florida State's rushing offense is really, really good because you have both the efficiency, you also have the explosion, and you also have the fact that the running back is, or I'm sorry, that the quarterback is a dynamic runner in addition to the fact that you have like the multiple running backs that can come in. So you always have one that's fresh. So the defense doesn't know who's going to be running the ball. And Norvell, going back to his Memphis days, he always does the interesting stuff with both the blocking in front of the running plays to keep you off the scent, but also, again, with the directional stuff and, and where the ball is going. This just feels like a really, really bad matchup for Florida. Um, I, I sort of expect Florida State to trounce them, and I do think there's line value on that if that line's beneath 10. All right. This is what everybody was probably here for. Ohio State, Michigan, two top three teams. There is a little bit, little bit of an advantage as far as your adjusted line to what came out with Circa. But what are you doing with the biggest college football game of the weekend? Yeah, looks like this one dropped at Ohio State minus eight at home against Michigan. My adjusted line on it is Ohio State minus 6.9. But... With both these things, we're talking about injuries in a lot of these other games. This one has more of them than, I mean, it's the biggest game of the week, but it also has more of the injuries than almost any of the other ones. On the Ohio State side, we've been talking about their injuries for weeks and weeks, so I could recite theirs like the back of my hand. But the 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 particular ones of note, it's it's the running back room where they have the, they have the guys in and out every single week. So it's like who's playing, who's not playing, whatever. And when they, they get the particularly bad news, they can get into perilous depth situations. So you want to monitor to see which of the Ohio State running backs get the green light this week and just make sure that they have enough of the top three guys that they're going to be fine there. Um, it doesn't look like they're they're probably going to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, but they haven't had him all season. So, And then, you know, that you want to check on their offensive line and their secondary as well and see if those are, are jived on the Ohio State side. The Michigan thing, it's kind of unfortunate because they, they've been dodging some of that stuff. Blake Corum now becomes the enormous question that we're going to be digging into this week. Suffers the knee injury uh, yesterday against Illinois. We we just don't know yet. We did not get a lot of information from Jim Harbaugh after that game. I have heard completely conflicting reports about the Corum thing. I've heard some people be like, he's fine. I've heard other people say stuff that he's less than fine. I don't know yet. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see on that. But if Blake Corum does not play in this game, you have to downgrade Michigan. He is an 
the enormous bulk of their offense. And if you take him away, you not only take away uh, a big driving force of their efficiency, you also take away a big driving force of their explosion. And yes, Michigan does have backfield depth. Of course, Edwards, you know, uh, Edwards would be starting on a lot of other FBS teams and the kids behind there are, are pretty solid too. It's not like the, the whole thing goes to crap, but Corum is one of the leading Heisman contenders for a reason. And, you know, two, when, when Corum's, you know, he got him on the field, of course, then that's one of the ways that Michigan could keep Ohio State's offense off of the field. I'll tell you, if, if Michigan had been at full strength this week, or if I, you know, if I magically knew that Corum was going to be 100%, I was 100% taking uh, Michigan with the points. And I was probably going to be calling for Michigan to upset Ohio State because I don't like this Ohio State team. They, they have been begging to get upset for weeks. And I would even say a month now, they've just been begging every opponent, upset us, upset us, upset us. They finally asked kindly enough that an opponent uh, almost did did them the favor of doing it. Maryland almost obliged yesterday, and it, it, and it came very, very close. Michigan, they, they don't need to be asked kindly by Ohio State. They will oblige. But without Blake Corum, obviously it complicates things quite a bit. So we'll have to see if, if Blake Corum is playing or not. Changes the equation if he's not. It's a status check uh, week for, for this game for sure. That was my favorite breakdown of any game right there that you've ever had too. just like they're just asking so kindly to plea. That's uh, my favorite breakdown. Let's clip that and put that out there. Uh, just a couple more here. Uh, we've got another top uh, potentially based off of what the AP poll is looking like two top 15 teams in Notre Dame and USC. Again, it is rivalry time. Big got big dogs here. Uh, what do you like in this Notre Dame USC game? Notre Dame looks like they're going to move inside the top 15 uh, AP polls around 13, I think, and USC looking around five This is a huge, huge game. What do we got? USC has been playing with fire too. Um, it, it, it's not to the degree that, that Ohio state has, but yeah, they, they, they've been, they've been playing with fire and they, they've been able to pull some of these games out or, you know, so some of the ones, you know, earlier in the season, they were just playing bad opponents and stuff like that. But um, that we talked about the UCLA one earlier, this one, it's, it's a whole different matchup. And so I, like, if, if USC can get through this game, like, I, I think you have to start acknowledging like, the, actually, this team might be a legitimate playoff contender, especially if they did that and then they won the, the Pac-12 title game after that. Like, th that's the point where I'd be like, all right, like, you throw up your hands and, like, yeah, let them in. Um, you know, if, if you know, there's not uh, four more deserving teams above them or whatever. But this is a tough matchup for, for USC because Notre Dame – I mean, like, UCLA is a finesse uh, spread team just like USC is. You know, it's like fighting with your brother – um, Notre Dame, it's like fighting with a sledgehammer. They don't play like Notre Dame does not play like the Pac-12 teams. They don't, you know, I was making the joke on uh, on Twitter last night of of like I I love how beautiful it is that that USC and uh, USC and Minnesota Iowa are the same sport. Notre Dame is is a part of that joke because they play completely differently than. Uh, both, you know, U USC and UCLA do. Now USC has to turn around after, you know, they put all this preparation into UCLA and they have to play this Notre Dame team, which is all about uh, uh, phone booth physicality, basically. And it's about the downhill running game. And then it's about, do you have anyone on your roster that can cover Michael Mayer? 
you know, or that can tackle him once he has the ball in his hands. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally just about those two things. And then, of course, Notre Dame plays solid defense as well. Um, USC is not going to be traipsing down the field every time they have the ball like they were against UCLA. So it's a totally different equation. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if USC can sustain the same um, uh, effort and the same, you know, like yesterday it felt like we got the A game out, out of USC. Are we going to get that again against a team that perhaps they don't match up quite as well with? Even if maybe Notre Dame in a vacuum doesn't have, I'm like, you know, they're probably of analogous talent to, to UCLA, just constituted different. Um, my my line on that one is, is USC minus 7.3. But again, styles make fights, and this is a totally different uh, 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 opponent for, for USC. And I think that Notre Dame matches up better against USC. And like I said, USC's been playing with fire. I, I think this is a game where it could come down to the end. So, I, I mean, like, I'm certainly not going to be betting it now. But if, if that line somehow, like if, if people were betting on USC during the week and it somehow got to minus seven and a half, that would be my fire point either way. Uh, the last really quick one we're going to do, I just want to get your take on it. Clemson is going to be hosting South Carolina. South Carolina, is there any chance that South Carolina is going to make this even more messy? Are they going to be the top 10 killer here? And uh, there's a slight edge based on what Circa did, though I know Circa's line opened up around 16. I believe it moved down already. You had a 13-and-a-half line on this in favor of Clemson. Is there anything with a South Carolina bet? Well, it's, it's funny. I, this was like two or three days ago. I, I had a call with a buddy who's getting his PhD at South Carolina. And I, I told him, I said, I said, we're going to make so much money during bowl season because <laughs> South Carolina is going to get smoked this week and they're going to get smoked next week against Clemson. And nobody's going to realize the only reason they keep getting flogged is because Marshawn Lloyd is out. Uh, Christian Beal Smith is out and their other running backs are out. And so they like, and the best thing about the, the South Carolina, the only thing they could do on offense is run the ball, but they actually have a really good rushing offense when they're at full strength. It's just Spencer Rattler had, had stunk all year, but when they had the rushing attack going, Rattler could at least do enough to, to get you by where they could be competitive. Cause the thing with South Carolina, they play decent defense and they have an awesome special teams unit. I, I think it's number one in, in SP plus in the nation. Like they have the whole Beamer ball thing going. So they always win the, the field uh, position game and, and stuff like that. They block kicks. They're going to steal uh, the, the kick return touchdowns and different stuff like that. So they're, they're a really tough team to play. And then South Carolina, even though they didn't have any running backs, they go out and annihilate Tennessee. So, so now my, my, my whole, you know, theory or whole plan of am, ambushing the books with South Carolina in bowl season, once they got back Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Beale Smith and had a, a full running back room, it's not going to work anymore. Now my, it seems like my, my line value is going to go. It also seems like the market's doing the right thing with this game of, of pulling this line back. Um, but again, I, like I hate to say this for every game, it's just true. This is another status check game. Um, for, for South Carolina, you have uh, an enormous deflation spot here. Um, it, like, I mean, usually we just say that 
but you in this one you can just listen to what the players said spencer rattler after that game i so rarely the players get me to laugh out loud with the quotes that they say spencer rattler actually got me to laugh out loud with something that he said after that game because he told reporters after after afterwards and keep in mind that spencer rattler went into that game with an eight to nine uh td int ratio he told reporters that it, it was one of the greatest wins in college football history <laughs> and i was like okay spencer uh, yeah okay um, now, now you have a positive TDINT ratio, Spencer. We'll give you a little, little, little sticker. Um, like, congrats on the win, but bro, like, let's let's pump the brakes a little on that. But let's just say the the party in Columbia went on deep into the night on on Saturday night, and and now South Carolina has to turn around and and play Clemson. You would definitely expect the effort to be to be weighed down. But then again, South Carolina has has been having to play tight ends and wide receivers at running back. When again, the, the only thing they could do on offense before was run the ball. Now, if they get Marshawn Lloyd back, Marshawn Lloyd is a legitimate NFL running back. Marshawn Lloyd is a friggin' stud. So if they get him back, and now if Spencer Rattler is, he's, people need to get out of their mind that Spencer Rattler could, like I saw stuff on Twitter last night of like, oh, you know, Spencer Rattler back on the NFL radar, get that out of your head. He's going to like next year, we can decide on that. If Spencer Rattler declares for the draft, he's a moron next year. If he comes back and he strings together seven straight good games, then we can talk about if he's back on the NFL radar. The answer to that question right now is categorically. No, he came into yesterday with a seven to eight TDINT ratio or whatever, or eight to nine. Um, but it, you know, it, it's like, if his play now is, is at least he, he's not going to play like he did against Tennessee, uh, you know, and Tennessee has an abomination of a, a pass defense is the other thing. But like, if he, if, if his, his plays is going to get at least a bit better now, and then you're going to get the enormous upgrade at, at the running game, you have to bake that in, even as you're baking in the potential for the deflation spot. And then Clemson, like Clemson just has been what they are. They're, they're a bit uh, unpredictable themselves. They might be in for a small letdown spot. They slapped around Miami uh, yesterday and Miami, they sucked this year and it was Miami's backup quarterback, but for a program like Clemson, I still feel like slapping around Miami is like actually a thing. Um, so like I the whole thing is you need to know about the South Carolina kids. If they're playing, if the two running backs are out on South Carolina, I'm not betting South Carolina, no matter what it would be Clemson or nothing. But if the two South Carolina backs are back and the line value is, is, is still there on the South Carolina side, then I might start trying to talk myself into the South Carolina side. Friends, if you want free picks, player props, and breakdowns on almost every game that college football has got to offer, join Thor and Mike Farrell on Game Day Live, presented by DraftKings, each and every Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. Have questions you need answered? Our team of experts is going to be live for 90 minutes of nonstop action leading up to the kickoff. So you're going to be uh, join the live stream and toss out your questions, and you're going to get covered. We got you. You can find Thor on Twitter at ThorKU. You can find me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh, and make sure you are locked into Betting Pros for all the stuff coming up this week because you're going to want it. For Thor, I am Welsh. That is the Week 13 preview, and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye bye. <laughs>